Christmas, everybody. It is not snowing outside, but I've been snowed on seven times, so <laughs> hopefully you're enjoying that. Thank you for those of you who are in our overflow you know, during this service as well. Just appreciate you guys being here. Uh, you might have wandered you know, into this place based on an invitation you know, of a friend, social media, you know, connection. Uh, maybe this is a church you belong to, and you might be wondering, what in the world am I doing here? My hope, my prayer is by the time that we're done together, that this idea of wonder would just be either new or anew in your hearts and minds. You see, all of us love Christmas. Uh, there's something about our society, there's something about you know, the season where we use words like that was special or awesome or magical, and we try our best to actually recreate that on a regular basis. And so we'll do what we can to set up lights, maybe go a little overboard like Clark Griswold. You know, uh, for some of us, we, we buy you know, and receive gifts, hoping for that special moment when they open it up and they're just like, oh, I can't believe that you got me that. Or it's the traditions, you know, which we share with one another that we're just reminded once again of how special this season can truly, truly be. Now, speaking of wonder, um, our society has two definitions for wonder. One is always in the form of a question. You know, I, I wonder what I'm going to get for dinner tonight, or I, I wonder what present that I'm going to get, or I truly wonder what in the world is in a hot dog. You know, the, the, the big things in life that we wonder, or I wonder, you know, if the Seahawks are going to go to the Super Bowl this year. It's going to be a rough year. I'll tell you what, if they have a team that's left. Now, speaking of the Seahawks, by the way, um, we have a former Seahawk quarterback, Jeff Kemp, uh, who's going to be coming here to Valley Real Life uh, for a men's event, you know, that we are sponsoring and hosting here uh, at the end of January. So I just want to kind of put that on your radar, you know, since it is football season. Now, the second definition of wonder is what we're going to focus on, which is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Now, we don't use that word wonder very often. Uh, the, the vernacular that would indicate the same definition would be like, that was awesome, or that was amazing, or maybe the most un, uh, overused word in our society is, that was unbelievable. And it connotes the, uh, the same definition that we're talking about when it mentions wonder. Now, you've probably heard of the seven natural wonders of the world. Seven natural wonders of the world. One of which is like the Grand Canyon. And, and I can show you a picture, you know, of the Grand Canyon. I can show you a video of the Grand Canyon. I can tell you a story about how my wife and our kids, we went to the Grand Canyon years ago. My wife's afraid of heights. She thought she and the kids were going to die. And so there's a whole lot of story that's involved in that. But you don't know... And the wonder of the Grand Canyon, unless you actually see it yourself. Pictures and videos just can't do it justice. Unless you see it yourself, it creates a whole different idea of awe and wonder, which got me thinking that wonder happens best in experience more than the story. It happens best in experience. But what can happen is after you experience wonder, and however that's played out in your life, after you experience wonder, it's so easy for wonder to begin to fade for it to become familiar over time. In fact, there was a 90-year-old couple, you know, who were sitting uh, under the stars one night, and, and uh, the, the man was so excited and so moved by what had happened in his life, he just leaned over in the moment to his hard-of-hearing wife and said these words, Honey, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. She looked at him and said, Huh? He says, Honey, I'm proud of you. What? 
honey, I'm proud of you. And she just kind of looked at him and said, well, okay, well, I'm tired of you too. (laughs) And isn't that the case, right? The things that used to cause us to stop in awe, to stop and wonder, begin to fade and it becomes familiar, ordinary, or it heads in a different direction. In fact, I had some friends of mine that came to this part of the country for the first time in their lives. And they could not stop talking about how beautiful our region is. They kept saying, oh my goodness, Dan, have you you noticed the trees? The trees are just amazing. You have green everywhere. And the mountains and the rivers and the lakes, you know, you just must sit in awe on a regular basis. And I looked at him and went, nope. I drive to work. You know, I, I don't take notice of the things that when I first got here would cause me to stop. Now, being around them caused me to reflect again. We do live in one of the most beautiful areas of the entire country, if not the world. But it's easy for those things to fade because we're used to the familiar. A child tomorrow morning or tonight is going to open up a present and they're going to be so excited about whatever that they receive. And it won't take but a few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months for that wonder to dissipate. And then this time next year, it'll be collecting dust. It's fascinating how fast the wonder leaves. Unfortunately, it's the same when it comes to the story of Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story that you've heard. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you've heard the story about Jesus in a manger, Mary, Joseph, wise men, angels, you know, Herod. You've heard it all. And because it's so familiar, it can lose the wonder and the meaning of it all. And so with the time that we have left, I hope and I pray that for those of you who are Christians, the wonder will be made new once again. For those of you who are not, that you might consider consider that there might be something that God has for you that he wants to give to you by the time that we end our time together. Now, one thing I love about Christmas is Christmas movies. How many of you guys love Christmas movies? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, what is your favorite Christmas movie? And in Overflow, do the same thing. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what your favorite Christmas movie is. All right. I want to hear a couple of these. Favorite Christmas movie? Okay, Christmas Story, Elf, Grinch, Home Alone, It's a Wonderful Life, Noel, A Christmas Carol, Grinch, Grinch again, because there are different versions of Grinch, that's for sure. Rudolph, Ernest Saves Christmas. That is the only mention in, in uh, 10 services now that has happened. That's epic. Just want to stop right there and just take in the moment, take in the wonder, people. That was amazing. Yeah, last one. Frosty the Snowman. See, the list can go on and on. Uh, all of us love, you know, different Christmas movies. And I wonder if you know that each state actually has a favorite movie as well. In fact, CableTV.com looked at AMC's top 20 Christmas movies. Then they cross-referenced it with Google Trends to create an analytic of sorts, an analysis, and came up with each state's favorite Christmas movie. Now, I do need to give you uh, just a caveat, you know, uh, in that there were some classics that were not included. Die Hard was not included in the list. I know, all right? And it should be on there. It probably would have been number one. But uh, here is the list. You know, uh, number one with nine different states, the winner in our country was Home Alone, you know, that made that. Uh, The second with eight states was Elf. You know, that was the second. Here in Washington State, I was a bit surprised because it was Bill Murray's Scrooged that actually uh, turned out number one. 
Look at you, some of you guys are all offended. You know? <laughs> How dare they? In Idaho, it was the Santa Claus. Uh, in Utah, it was a Christmas story. In Nebraska, it was Christmas vacation, of course. In uh, New York, it's a wonderful life. In South Dakota, a Christmas carol. And since I know so many of you um, are not from here, you have relatives everywhere else, I'll just show you the whole map. You know, so go ahead and take a look, you know, and you kind of see how you know, it all kind of worked itself out, different regions of the country liking specific Christmas movies. Now, I don't know about you, but I have uh, two favorites. Uh, my first is Elf. In fact, I got my Elf socks on, you know, looking pretty sweet with my Elf socks on tonight. Uh, one of our traditions is when you set up the Christmas tree, uh, you have to have Elf play in the background. I didn't realize it was that much of a tradition until we started setting up the tree this year. My 13-year-old said, Dad, we cannot set up the Christmas tree because Elf is not playing. I was like, well, I have discipled him well. Um, this my second is A Christmas Carol. And it's always a reminder for me. I always watch it on Christmas Eve. And it's a reminder to me that no matter what life brings, no matter what trajectory of life that I'm headed in, in one night, in one event, it can change. It can turn out better than what it used to be. In fact, I started thinking, you realize every Christmas movie is the same theme. It always starts out with uh, the introduction of characters and then there's a tension. There's a conflict. There's an issue. And then here's where the Christmas movies all come together. Then there's something about Christmas that creates in the characters an aha moment or it helps them to solve it. It's the magic, it's Santa, it's you know, the season, it's relationships. Whatever it is about the Christmas season makes things all better and people are changed or live happily ever after. And so we get caught up. Maybe that's one of the reasons that Christmas movies never seem to get old like other movies. Is there there's something that we like or we aspire to, or maybe, just maybe, we see this reflected in our own lives? See, are our lives that much different than a Christmas movie? How many of us have questions of wonder, that we're wondering how things are going to turn out? We've got a conflict, an issue, something on the agenda in our lives. And there's something that we hope that the real story of Christmas could mean beyond the season, and could our lives be changed, even eternally? And so my hope is that we'll just take a few minutes and just reflect on that. So let's start with this. What is something that you're going through that you wonder how it's going to turn out? What is something you're going through? And maybe it's a relationship you know, that you're in. Like, is, is this going to continue? Is this going to head in the right direction? Is it going to be what I hope it's going to be? Are we going to make it? Maybe it's you're wondering about your finances. You know, are we going to overcome? Are we going to survive this season? Whatever that may be. Maybe it's pain that you're going through. And the Christmas season reminds you of the loss, you know, of a loved one or someone who's going through a hard, difficult time right now, and you're wondering how is it going to turn out, or you wonder if the pain is ever going to subside. Maybe for some of you, you just, you wonder what 2020 is going to bring and beyond. And you, and all of us have this on a regular basis. We have these things that we wonder about, whether we're saying it or whether we're just wondering in our own minds. But I wonder if once again, that we can look at the true wonder of Christmas and realize that there are some answers to the questions in which we have. See, if we would just stop long enough and we would reflect on something that is familiar to realize that the first Christmas had so much suspense, so much awe, so much wonder that took place. I mean, if you look at the story itself, you've got angels that are coming and giving announcements. That's not normal. 
You've got a, a virgin that is now you know, going to give birth. You've got miracles taking place. The star that's moving in the wrong direction. Uh, you've got these wise men from the east you know, who are following this or who are trying to meet this child and run into Herod who wants to destroy the whole story. You've got drama. Like the relationship is going to, are they going to get divorced? Are they going to make it, you know, through what's going on with Mary and Joseph? There's so much that's in the greatest story that's ever been told. And you see, for us, if we just think that our traditions, our gifts, our lights, or whatever it is that we think makes this season wonderful, what will happen is we'll get to the end of the season and we'll be like, that was fun. That was, that was great. That was encouraging. And then this will happen. What's next? What's the next thing? Could there be something that God wants us to have that lasts beyond the season as we reflect anew on this? There has to be something more than the busyness, than the, than the, than the things that we have to get done. There has to be something more, and it actually starts with a wonderful question. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You can clap for that. That's all right. So you've seen that before. You may have heard that before. Uh, but one little nuance that you may not know about is Charles Schultz, who created Peanuts, was a Christian, follower of Christ. And uh, never in any of the comic book strips or any movie that Linus appears, you'll always notice he always had his blanket. Because again, Linus was the fearful kid. He always had stress and anxiety and different things, but his blanket was his security. The only time in print or in media that Linus ever lets go of his blanket is what you just saw right now, when he begins to say, and the angel said, do not be afraid. And so what a great message. What a great reminder of the wonder of the season because Charlie Brown is trying to do everything he can to make it wonderful for all of his friends, to make it magical, to make it, you know, just fun, all those kinds of things. And he's just, he gets so frustrated. He's like, doesn't anyone know what this is all about? And we do. Now, let me take you back because we go through this so quickly of what he really actually said. In verse eight, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. What you need to understand is in Jesus' day, shepherds were low-class citizens at best, outcasts at worst. 
There were a Bedouin community who would travel, you know, just around to make sure that the sheep would graze in the right places. And they actually couldn't go and worship God freely before going through a cleansing ritual because of their proximity and handling of these animals on a regular basis. And yet God decides to come to them. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Talk about a wondrous moment, both awesome and terrifying at the same time. And you begin to wonder, of all the people in all the world, why would God choose shepherds? The only people who received the announcement about Christ's birth directly from God was Mary and Joseph. Outside of them, not even the wise men, they had to go to Herod to ask for directions. You know, they didn't know exactly, you know, what was going on and who that would be. It was the shepherds. Why the shepherds? One of the reasons why is because if you look through the whole Bible, God is actually called a good shepherd. In Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. The other reason could be, you know, that the sheep that were being cared for outside of Bethlehem were not too far from Jerusalem. And based on people's connection with God, they would actually have to give an animal sacrifice in order to pay for their sins so they could have this connection with God. And wouldn't it be that later on, Jesus would be called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so God appears to shepherds. Now he appears as an angel, right? So here's these angels that are giving this announcement. Now you and I have this idea of what an angel is like. We have these either caricatures, you know, or cartoonish, or if it's Clarence and it's a wonderful life. We have this image of what angels actually could look like. We even put them on our trees and in other nativity sets. And yet every single one of them, don't want to ruin Christmas for you, is completely wrong. Because every time an angel showed up on the scene in scripture, people wanted to wet themselves. Okay, they were so afraid, which is why every time an angel shows up, the first words out of their mouth is, don't be afraid. How do we know that? Let's keep reading. They were terrified, speaking of the shepherds, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. There will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. See, what an incredible announcement. See, God's people have been waiting for generations for God to fulfill his promise that he would send someone to bring them right back in a connection with God. And they had been waiting and waiting. You think it's hard kids to wait for Christmas morning? They waited generation after generation. In fact, the last 400 years before this announcement, there wasn't a, there wasn't a prophet, priest, or king who spoke on behalf of God for them. And then all of a sudden, the angels say, it's here. He's here and he's come. Then it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now a vast host would be hundreds. That's what that word means. Hundreds of these awesome yet terrifying angels. And they begin to sing. And I don't know if you've ever been moved by music. You ever had your heart just kind of moved emotionally or otherwise through the singing, maybe even a choir, maybe even a military you know, profession, procession of some sort. There's been some movement that's taking place. Maybe it happened even tonight, you know, as you sang O Holy Night once again. Now, whatever has moved your heart through music, times it by a thousand, and you might get a little idea of what the shepherds are now experiencing. You think Christmas Eve services are good here at Valley Real Life? Imagine being there. Awesome, terrifying, wondrous in every sense 
of the word. And then it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This was their aha moment. This was their epiphany. This is where they went from God. That is amazing. This announcement is awesome. This story is incredible. It's even unbelievable. And they went from that to, no, no, no. We want to enter the story. We want to see for ourselves. We want to experience what it is that the angels have just told us about. And so what did they do? They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Think about the last time you had an aha moment. Think about the last time you experienced something that was truly unbelievable. What did you do? I'll tell you what most of you did. And this is what you texted. You will not believe what just happened. What, what just, I cannot wait to tell you what just took place because when you experience something that is incredible, awesome, or unbelievable, you can't help but post it, share it, and tell everybody else about it. Imagine experiencing the wonder of God and these shepherds who were outcasts, who were separated, were now going about boldly saying, you will not believe what just happened because what has happened is true and our lives are forever changed. Then verse 19, it says this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. For those of you who are Christians, this may, may, may be the most important verse to memorize this Christmas season. If you ever go through stress, if you ever go through times of pain and suffering and difficulty, let's learn a lesson from Mary. For she remembered the wonder of God she had placed it in her heart and she thought about it often. How often do we forget and lose the wonder of what God has done? And in the midst of it all, we need to stop, put it in our hearts and reflect based on what God has done, which helps us through whatever season that we might be going through. So hopefully that's helpful for you as it's been for me. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And I'll add this, never to be the same again. See, the wonder of Christmas is incredible and it has the power to actually change people's lives. It's more than a story. See, your life can be forever changed. It really can. Just like Ebenezer Scrooge on A Christmas Carol, in one night, one evening, the trajectory of your life can change depending on how you receive the story and the information that's there. Let me say it this way. You will not fully experience the wonder of the season until you receive the wonder of the Savior. It's a huge difference. One is hearing a good story. One is applauding. One is coming and saying, you know what? That was a great experience as one of the traditions that we go through on our Christmas time or whatever brought you in today. And the other is saying, you know what? I want to experience this. I don't want to hear about this. And it's through the experience that the wonder changes us from the inside out. And when you choose the wonder of Christ to receive him into your life, we get to experience other wonders, like the wonder of love or joy. Let's start with that one first. In Luke chapter two, verse 10, it says, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Joy beyond circumstance. What about the wonder of love? In John chapter three, verse 16, for this is how God loved the world. God is a gift giver. Where do you think we got the idea of giving and receiving gifts? It's from God. 
It says, for he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's not just about life eternally. It's life here on this earth, which is the wonder of life. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what God wants to give to you in this season and beyond. It's not the easier life, but it is the most abundant and most satisfying And then you have the wonder of peace beyond the circumstances in which you might be facing. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And it all happens through the wonder of forgiveness. Matthew 1, 21, and Mary will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The story of Christmas isn't about the birth It's about what the birth represents in our lives and through our lives as the story of Christmas gets told each and every year. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back out. And they're going to lead us in a song. And here's what I want you to do. Just just humor me whether you believe in Jesus or not. Just humor me for just a second. Just process. What does this mean for you? Is it just another service to attend? Or could there be something more? If you're a follower of Christ, then I would just encourage you, allow this song to to, to seep into your heart and mind and just consider the wonder of it all. Because you and I can also get just as busy and frenetic and off kilter, just like that. And if you're not a follower of Christ, could it be that God brought you here for a different reason than maybe you thought when you first came in?